0: Welcome to Vulture Culture, the place for death workers to come for conversation, collaboration, fusion, and ultimately amplification of our work. Because what the world needs now is more death workers and grief workers thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If there's something that you find inspirational about this podcast, I'd love to get some feedback, but more than that, I'd love for you to subscribe and share to amplify this work. I believe in your work. I believe in my work and I believe we have work to do. Welcome to Vulture Culture with Narendra Basin. This is a place for death workers to find fusion, um, coalition, collaboration, for amplification for our work. Uh, This is my third try at creating a podcast, and um, I've been saying that I was just going to do it messy um, jump first and figure it out later, which is my style. Um, and I have done that and, uh, but, but there's something that, you know, like the, the podcast started to take its own shape and I realized I, it's really, this is really a podcast for death workers. Um, I'm like fevered uh, with desire to amplify death workers, to encourage death workers and to help death workers get into, um, holistic, uh, service themselves, um, and to, and to be, and to be taken care of so that they can do their work. And so, when I realized like, I'm not going to be talking about other things that, you know, like I thought I was going to be talking about in the beginning, really all of the conversations that I've had on the podcast before have been directed right at death workers. And so it's like, well, just, you know, Narinder, just go like, just admit that's what you want to talk about. Admit this is who you want to talk to. Um, and admit that the, that you, that you feel, I feel like my stories and my point of view, Um, are important to other people who are called to death work as advocacy, especially. Um, And so that that is where we are. Today is October the 28th, I do believe, and it is the full moon in Taurus. And this morning I woke up and I heard very strong, you need to create the vulture culture. Vultures as we all know beautiful, beautiful, big, majestic creatures. Um, most often associated with, you know, bad being a bad omen. like looked at, seen, marked as a bad omen, and I find them so um, regal and and close to the mother. Um, the Great Mother, the Holy Mother, the Mother of Death, close to the Mother, and I, I find that you know when I'm driving down the road and I see a kettle of vultures on the side of the road, around a carcass, I just think, God, why are we not honoring these birds, and these creatures, more than we do in our culture? They literally are uh life sustainers through the th- through the, the thorns of of taking apart and picking apart and putting their faces in death. Um, and so yeah, that's this is culture vulture. This is vulture culture. Vulture culture. This is vulture culture. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. If you are here, all five of you, 10 of you, 15, I dream like thousands of you, but whatever. Thank you for the few of you who are listening to my podcast. Thank you to the Holy Mother of Death for speaking to me about using my voice. Death work will, will death work will pull at the thread, um, that, that will start to unravel and unwind and bind the parts of us that hold us back from, from doing the death work that we are meant to be doing. Death work will do that to the death worker. And for the past several years, it seems, that my death work has been pulling on this thread of speaking up, speaking up, speaking up, speaking up. And I just really was hoping that I would arrive to this destination where I speak up and have zero concerns or fears about the way I sound. Um, I, I bypass that and just speak up anyway, even though there is fear sometimes in in my voice and, uh, and concern about how I will be perceived. If I continue to, um, hide my truth and be quiet because I'm afraid of what people will think about me, I might as well just say that, um, I am welcoming the patriarchy into my work. So I'm trying to rid myself and my work of the patriarchy. And a part of that is showing up without concern for perfectionism and showing up in uh, authentic ways and vulnerable ways. So I... Gosh, I really wish that like I could be in this conversation with someone else that I want to have like I want to have this conversation, and I feel like I want to be in this conversation with somebody else and I want them to ask me the questions that will help me to start um, putting the mosaic pieces of all of my thoughts that I want to share um into a into a, a a package into a picture, but there is nobody. Um, to ask me the questions because they don't really know what it is that I want to talk about. And, and I do. And so here it is me, you know, riffing, um, interviewing myself. Uh, I wish I had a little like, you know, list of questions written out, but I didn't even do that. I just, I just need to speak. I, what I, what I, the first thing that I want to speak about um, and in, in a vulture culture. The first thing I want to think of, the first thing I need to come back and talk about is this. There is a there is a grief crisis going on in Western culture. And the grief crisis has pretty much been here since the dawn of Western culture. Um, and it is just increasing like the pedal being pushed down really hard on the machine and the and it's going faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and i can feel it in my body like many of you can you can feel this pressure i can feel people spiritually banging their heads up against walls. I can feel people feeling lost and scared and hopeless and suicidal. I can feel the, um, the, the, just the devastation, emotional devastation and the effects that that will have on families, working environments, uh, working environments from like teachers in schools all the way to you know your your cashier um at the grocery store that that this pressure that is building um is is to be taken very, very seriously. If we look at the statistics released by the CDC in regards to suicide um, rates in the United States alone, in the year 2022, just last year, uh, they recorded the highest number ever recorded of suicide deaths in the United States. And that one suicide affects an entire community um, and it's they're happening so rapidly um, that that i in my own death work almost can't keep up with them um, around me the, the 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 these deaths that are happening around me i can't i, I had a had a hard time keeping up with them um, there is a, a genocide. There is literally happening as I'm recording this podcast. There are wars in the Congo, the war in, in Israel and Palestine. Um, there was a mass shooting a few days ago, 30 minutes from where I'm sitting. Um, I, I honestly don't know what... Alarm, like what bell tolling, like what it is that's going to um, bonk us all on the head in one big bonk um, that wakes us all up to the crises literally happening all around us. Um, I Uh, I'm watching, I'm doing, You know, I'm partaking, I'm watching, I'm partaking. I'm, um, a part of this, this scrambling to try to figure out why this is happening or what's the lesson behind this or, um, what is, how am I supposed to grow and find comfort again, which is super American. Um, and and I, I also am like feeling the, the pressure to protect the very vulnerable people in my community who have chronic illness, who have uh, little children, who have unemployment, who have, um, you know, other things that are really, really hard. And, 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 and I, I feel like we need to protect them. From this, from this energy, from this crisis, Um, but I am feeling very strongly about mobilizing the death workers. I wish like hell that I had a huge audience of death workers. I wish like hell, like thousands and thousands of death workers. Or hearing me like call through, the, through this like magical megaphone and say, like, you know, at attention, like, step up, let's go, let's rally, let's move, let's, let's be cooperative, let's work together, let's figure things out. I wish I could just like mobilize the death workers all in on, like one fell swoop. Um, But like I said, maybe there's like 15 people listening to me. Um, I have to talk about the apparent two death worker movements that are happening side by side and Vulture culture, this podcast hopefully will be a part of the fusion between those two parallel movements. We have one movement of death workers that I will call like the end of life doula movement. And the end of life doula movement is, and I'm speaking in general, gen, I'm generalizing here, but the, but the end of life doula movement usually looks like somebody, I would say 90% of the time cisgendered women, somebody going into a end of life doula training program. And they go through this program, whether it's a weekend program or a two-month program or a six-month program, and they go through this program and they learn a they learn how to be a death doula. They learn, um, they learn how to hold space bedside, they learn how to hold space for caregivers, they learn about medical aid and dying, they might learn about home funerals, they may have like a chapter on grief, they have, you know, it's kind of this very standard training. And They, but the, but the focus of that movement, that end of life doula movement is really centered on people who are terminally ill and people who are aged and dying. Um, it is not centered on trauma informed care, death care, or, um, or death care advocacy. Um, it is more centered on like, uh, this very, um, it's, it feels softer to me, right? This very, like, um, being there to help and support when when people are terminally ill, um, and, and are dying of age. And what happens is they go through these programs and they, they were not trained in how to make that work sustainable. If you have, this is a side note, but if you have end of life doulas who have financial security, whether that's from a partner or familial wealth or retirement, and they can afford to do that work free for free, they will. And medical establishments, hospitals and hospices, um, see this end of life doula movement that I'm talking about, and they will bring in, they are bringing in those doulas to volunteer, AKA work for free at the hospitals or the, um, hospices volunteer with hospitals or hospices. So, That is one of these two movements. Beautiful work that that does. But the overarching society is only hearing about that one movement. So when people get into this work and they think, oh, I want to do this work, and they go through that, you know, train, graduated, applied, you know, that train, graduated, map there, um, they, they they come to find when they are done with their training programs that oh, there's not a return on my investment, um, and so I've watched over the course of eight nine years many end-of-life doulas coming into the movement, you know, starting their work, thinking they're starting their work, and then kind of petering out and disappearing. Um, and the movement itself, that that particular movement, not really having good, solid roots, a good, solid foundation, nothing really solid to grow on from. The majority of the money that is made in that particular type of of this movement is made by people training other people how to do this work that is where the majority of the money is made on that end of this of of on that that side of these parallel movements the other movement that is going on the movement that i am a part of is what i would call the holistic death care movement and We have to be able to talk about the holistic death care movement with our abstract thinking hat on. So the holistic death care movement does incorporate other end of life doulas that went through that, the, the path of the first movement that I was talking about. We'll call that movement A and movement B. So movement A, um, some of those end of life doulas do are a part of the holistic death care movement. The holistic death care movement is made up of death workers. Death workers um, are... They can death workers, that's like the over that's like the big umbrella term for, for all of them, like a holistic death care worker. That's the big umbrella. And then underneath that umbrella, you're gonna have death doulas, death midwives, end-of-life companions, grief companions, death workers, death walkers, psychopomps, home funeral guides, death educators, um, you, you know, like death advocate, death care advocates. You're gonna have all different types of titles underneath that title of holistic death care movement, not just end of life doula. You're not gonna have just that one title under there. You're gonna have all these different titles. And death workers, remember I'm using that name in in a general way, but death workers do all types of death-related work. They do sit bedside and can sit bedside, and can support caregivers. They do advanced care planning uh, arrangements with their clients. They do uh, create new uh, burial options, like um, building um, biodegradable caskets, wicker caskets. They do they do work like, um, funeral celebrancy or they do, um, grief care, uh, in the form of one-on-one counseling or group grief count group, uh, or group grief care. Um, or they'll do living funerals. They'll do death education classes. They'll do home funeral classes. They'll do, um, art, uh, art showing that features death as a form of death education. Um, they will do, you know, they'll serve people who've chosen medical aid and dying, people who choose voluntary stopping eating and drinking. Um, some death workers will focus on um, creating herbal, uh, herbal um, formulas for, for death um, and grief care. Um some death workers like to focus on psychedelics at the end of life. Some death workers like to focus on conversations around the taboo like sex and death. Um death workers are hosting um uh some death workers have written books, some death workers have created oracle cards. Um some death workers, let's see, I'm trying to think, do um they educate families about all of their end of life care options? Um, the list goes on and on. They can, they're, they're out creating programs. Um, <clears throat> they, they are, um, training people in their communities. They're like, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. And I, I really wish I, I could have this, um, this, like this list, I should have made a list of all of the different ways that death workers serve um but anyway it literally goes on and on and on and then actually when i look at the holistic death care movement workers i see that like their work goes so far on and on and on and on that it's actually out of sight that's how far it goes it's almost at this point it looks infinite the infinite things that we can do the uh the people who are training In this type of work, I only know of one, and that is me. I don't know of anybody else who is training actual death workers to be exactly who they are. And in fact, in full transparency, my Nine Keys Death Midwifery Apprenticeship um, in the beginning was to be there for people who wanted to sit bedside and only serve right then at the end of life. Um, And then when I saw what was happening in the movement, Um, and my calling shifted and so did nine keys. So I have, um, I have witnessed and I'm witnessing this miraculous thing that is happening like right now, teeny, 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 teeny little teeny, 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 tiny tiny place. And that is that death workers are starting to, um, realize the big potential for their death work. When it comes to not just sustainability but prosperity and in that prosperity, lateral prosperity, so it like shifts and changes culture and society and work environments and the medical system and it also I think is going to turn around and serve other death workers because these people, these death workers who are daring to create businesses with their death work um, are going to start creating patterns for other death workers that want to actually um, work full time with their death work. The thing that I am telling my apprentices, people that I mentor, death workers that I mentor and, um, death workers that I'm working with one-on-one for like business coaching, which that's a whole other thing. Me ever thinking in a million years, I'd call myself a business coach. If you only knew, if you only knew, um, never thought those words would come out of my mouth. But anyway, me helping other death workers figure out what their business is. I'm finding that the possibilities just seem almost endless. And I'm also finding that, man, this holistic death care movement is already like that third thing, you know? So it's not industry. It's not just advocacy. It's like that third thing. Um, and I'm finding that the, the way this is where I am now with it and what I'm seeing with this and death workers, um, creating businesses and and prosperity in their work. I'm seeing that it actually is best if death workers at this point in 2023, if death workers, I think it'll change in the future, but right now, if death workers get into their work as, you know, as softly, like get into their work, like not coming out of the gate, out of a training program to create a business, but actually start to like, do the work. Almost like when um when a kid graduates high school and then they take a year to travel before they go to college. I forget what that's called and I'm doing this interview by myself with myself for myself or you. So that I can't ask the other person what's that called when they take a year. Anyway, um I kind of feel like it should be the same for death workers. Like I think that they it would be really awesome if they go through training programs and then they take a year to to see and feel and sense into what it is exactly they want to do. Or they go through a training program um, that's really small, like one with me, and this is not at all to sell my freaking training program. I'm gonna not apologize about talking about my training program, anyway. Um, but they go through a program with someone like me where it's one-on-one, and I already know the ropes, and I can pull out and show them what what it is that they're wanting to do. But anyway, I think what what I'm kind of com- what I'm trying to say is that death workers that want to turn their death work into a business obviously have to think way outside of the box. Um, but it would help them to kind of know all of the different, all of the many, many different places, um, that are possible for death work, um, and are needed for death work. Um, and then out of that, start kind of piecing together and creating um, offerings and packages um, and services out of out of what they know, like where they want to go specifically in this work. And this is what I say, that we, like these death workers can create these businesses like a grief counseling practice or um, advanced care planning practice or after loss, um, after loss care, like all the different types of really cool, specific things people can, death workers can do in the before, during, and after of death and dying situations. But, um, if they start to, um, oh crap, I lost my train of thought. They are, um, oh, here it is. So the, the work and the diligence of their death work business is focused in on those actionable, tangible um, products, offerings, services that they can they can market, um, offer, and sell, and then that's the that's the like the diligent side of the work, and then the devotional side of the work is where where the death worker is sitting bedside is serving caregivers is there for urgent death care um, and that that side of the work tends to need to be more in flow um, and so i'm seeing how like this third type of business is being created i'm calling it new paradigm death care Um, I don't think there's anything that is, is existed before like it where one side of the business is that, is that diligent, you know, has the bones and the, and the structure and that, that work. And then the other side is, is the actual death midwifery is this, is the the softer side of the business that's more in flow. And when we have things organized and profitable on one side that takes off so much pressure from the other side. Um, And that also creates the environment where the death worker feels held, supported, strong, fed, nourished, safe, so that they can show up in all of those other places. Um, So that is, to me, the holistic death care movement is that third thing. It's not industry, it's not just advocacy, It's something new. It's new paradigm death care. And I find that the best way for me to learn how to map it out is actually through my work with death workers. And I've been doing that and I've like, Eureka! Like I'm getting, I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out how to do this. And I think that the other movement, the movement A, the end-of-life doula movement, um, is, is slowing and has slowed down the work of the death workers because, because the, the first movement, that A movement, that end-of-life doula movement, is so predominant in the conversation. That movement is the one that has made the New York Times in USA Today, not the holistic death care movement. The holistic death care movement, barely anybody has touched. Um, it is all of the, all of the media has been focused on that end of life doula movement. Um, and I cannot tell you how many times I've cringed when I've seen death workers being interviewed about their death work and them feeling like they can't talk about the advocacy part of their work, the trauma care that they're doing, the urgent care, the suicide care, the, the complete new paradigm death care that they're doing because they feel that pressure, um, that is from the other movement that like, it all has to look like that. That is capitalism at its finest. So we have to break away from that. We have to break away from the narrative that this work that we're doing is just about the way that it is. That that one way that is being presented um, through media. We have to break away from that, and we have to be really strong in our work. We have to we have to bring in that uh, the balance between the animus and the anima into this work and and like creating that structure, create, get bringing in that feminine and masculine energy into this, into our death work, um, so that it can really, really, really take shape and dig its roots in deep and become healthy so that we can actually build new paradigm death care and why do we want to do all of that? Well, I sometimes walk around and think everybody knows. But then I'm sometimes reminded not everybody realizes the 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 ground shaking effects of the holistic death care movement. We are in a grief crisis. We are in a grief crisis suicide rates topping out highest recorded number of suicide rates just last year mental health going kaputs um burnout happening uh as more pressure as prices rise as living situations become questionable for people that have always known stability things are really 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 changing and the root ball of all of the problems in our society, the root ball of all of the problems in our society is all centered around the denial of death and grief, unacknowledged grief. That's that is the root problem of all of our problems. That's the root ball of all of our problems. So, if we can, um, if we can get death workers to really, really anchor in their work to bring their work into like super sustainable places. That word I use all the time and it just gets thrown around so much, but like that it can be sustained, that it can last, that it can be healthy, that it can have um, nourishment, that it is nourishing. Like if we can get death workers to like really get solid in their death work, even if like they do it for several years and then they train other death workers and those people do it for several years and then they train death workers and it just grows and, grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And it stays in that meta place where it's not just defined by that one, um, we're sitting bedside and making snacks trope, but like actually the truth of what death worker is doing. If we can actually get that movement into a healthy place we will create a rising of consciousness, a push in the evolution of the humanitarian love, a coming home to love, a coming home to peace. That is what the holistic death care movement is doing. It looks like we're sitting bedside and we're helping people when they're dying. But what we're really doing is we're returning the overarching culture. We're returning our communities. We're returning our families. We're returning ourselves. We're returning the children. We're returning everyone to the gaze turning their gaze to look at death, to stop denying death, to embrace death, bring death home, acknowledge grief, bring grief into its fullest expression so that grief can be love, which is what it actually is, so that we can usher in peace and eyes wide open, That is what the holistic death care movement is actually doing. And it is, like I said, a third thing. It's not industry. It's not just activism. It's a whole new thing. It's new paradigm death care. Holistic death care workers, there are people out there who are working diligently to figure out how to get your work into sustainable places. And while they're doing it, they need your help. And your help would be something like this. Break the narrative that our work is only about serving people bedside and making snacks for caregivers, as it said in the New York Times. Help. Break that narrative. The only people making money with this work are the trainers. That's a narrative that needs to be broken, that there are death workers that are figuring out ways to be in prosperity with their work. They have to be in prosperity with their work to do their work. We need their work. Help the people who are helping you figure out how to get this work into sustainable places, by speaking out against medical institutions that are exploiting the work of -of end-of-life workers, death workers, by asking them to consistently come and teach for free, to lead for free, and to volunteer their time. Help us, help ourselves. When we help ourselves, we help our communities. When we help our communities, we help society. When we help society, we help the world. And make sure you get some rest. Thank you so much for listening to the first um, first chat on Vulture Culture, the new name of my podcast. I swear I'm not going to change the name of the podcast again. We're sticking with this one, Vulture Culture.